Just about everyone is familiar with Apple's iPhone ads, but have you ever noticed the fact that on every product photo it's always 941? We'll get into the interesting story behind this unique branding move, plus we'll dive into how your smartphone, yes, that thing that's supposed to make your life easier and more productive, may actually be hindering your productivity. Also, I'll cover a listener-submitted question about how to begin the process of learning graphic design. We'll provide resources for learning design and web development, whether you're wanting to become a pro or just learn some of the basics. All this and more on the Rightly Designed Show. No man who cares about originality will ever be original. It's the man who's only thinking about doing a good job or telling the truth who becomes really original and doesn't notice. You're listening to the fusion of form and function. This is the Rightly Designed Show. Hello and welcome to the program. My name is Thomas and this is the Rightly Designed Show. So Apple recently came out with a new iPhone. And, you know, some people on the web have started to make the observation that it always seems like it's 941 in the land of Apple. Meaning that if you look at different iPhone pictures, and, you know, you can notice this with the new iPhone 7 and even the iPhone 6 and keep going back uh, to previous versions, that it's always 941. And so people have, you know, kind of been trying to unravel this mystery as more and more people notice it. And so there's an interesting article in The Atlantic that dives into it. It says, in the land of the iPhone 6, Apple's version of it at least, it's always, it seems, 941. That is, like pretty much everything else at Apple, is by design. Even the time on Apple's ubiquitous phone carries a marketing message. You can trace the origin of Apple's permaclock back to January of 2007, when Steve Jobs gave his much-anticipated keynote at the Macworld Conference and Expo in San Francisco. The Apple CEO strode on stage right at 9 a.m. About 35 minutes into his presentation, he said, This is the day I have been looking forward to for two and a half years. Jobs went on to explain that every once in a while, a revolutionary product comes along that changes everything. And then he went on to announce, Today, Apple is going to reinvent the phone. The screen behind him flashed into the picture of the first iPhone. It was, it was 9.42 a.m. Because of that, in Apple's marketing li uh, literature for the new phone, the displays read 942. The new phones were pegged to the keynote, which is another way of saying that they were pegged to Steve Jobs. The tradition continued, like so many Jobsian legacies, with every big new Apple product has launched. Uh, every new product Apple has launched, as the Apple executive Scott Forstall explained. We designed the product launch keynotes so that the big reveal of the product happens around 40 minutes into the presentation. When the big image of the product appears on screen, we want the time shown to be as close to the actual, actual time in the audience as watches as possible. But we know we won't hit 40 minutes exactly, and for the iPhone, we made it 42 minutes. It turned out we were pretty accurate with that estimate, so for the iPad, we made it 41 minutes. And there you are, the secret of the magic time. So a really interesting story, uh, you know, just kind of an, an added thing that's that's been done throughout all of Apple's advertising campaigns. But something interesting that to, to take away from this and to learn. 
You see, what I'm doing here is, what am I doing? I'm talking about Apple. What have all these different articles, this article in The Atlantic and all these other articles and news sources that have been covering this concept, what are they doing? They're talking about Apple and they're talking about Apple's brand. They made a very specific decision to tie, you know, just something as simple as the time shown on the clock for the product photos that they take to tie back to their brand, to their messaging, and to the creation, to the inception of the product that they're marketing. So this is just, it serves as a good example of something that you can begin to employ in your own branding efforts, whether you're offering a number of products or services, just to see that thinking outside the box or finding ways, even newsworthy ways, or, or interesting tie-ins to your branding, to your slogans, to your logos, to your products, to your services, can be done in something even as minute or even as minuscule as the time on a screenshot. So if nothing else, it's a very interesting piece of trivia. But again, it's always something that we can take away and apply to even our own branding ventures. So on the subject of phones, uh, as pretty much just about all of us have a smartphone these days, uh, and the idea behind a smartphone for most of us is that it's a convenience factor, right? It's something that you can use you know, to check your email, to text with people, to browse the web, to keep up with social media. There's about a million to one things that you can do on a smartphone. Uh, even if it's going to be, whether it's going to be for entertainment, but especially for productivity or business and those types of things. So it was an interesting, uh, another interesting article that came out recently uh, by a, a website called Inside Intercom. But it, uh, it touches on the topic of just how a smartphone, as much as it may have productivity tools built into it, may actually be hindering your productivity. So here's what it says. It says, when phones become more important than people, your productivity suffers. It's your usual busy day. You're sitting in a meeting. You check your phone to see how long you have until the next one. You refresh your email and maybe check Slack to see what's, uh, what's for lunch later. You've only glanced down at your phone for a few seconds, but it takes you another few seconds to bring your attention back to the room. As you look around, you see phones out everywhere. Some sitting next to laptops on the table, one cupped in your colleague's hand, and a buzz of incoming email from another in the corner. Everyone is engaged in conversation, yet no one is talking to each other. Welcome to fubbing. Fubbing, or phone snubbing, is when you engage with your phone in the company of others. After countless lunches with friends glued to their phones, I realized how odd fubbing was. The whole point of a phone is to communicate, so why choose it over people? Psychologists are currently trying to understand the social norms around this behavior and the links it has to FOMO, internet addiction, and lack of self-control. It might seem harmless to reply to the odd text during a meeting, but some research suggests it takes an average of 23 minutes and 15 seconds to focus back on a task after an, interrupt, uh, after an interruption. If you think about how many times a day you do this, it's pretty shocking. The light, uh, the lightning up of the, the lighting up of the smartphone display when a notification comes in, or the buzz of an incoming text, lock us into the habit of checking our phones. This is partly due to our dopamine system, which is conditioned to activate when you re when you re receive cues of something rewarding. It makes you feel good when your phone tells you something. Uh, someone has reacted to your joke on Slack or liked your photo on Instagram. The key to breaking this dopamine loop is to reduce the audio and visual cues in your environment. Turning off pu push notifications can limit this interruption somewhat, but we can blame habit for our overall behavior. When we get a text. 
an email or a notification we deem important, we often feel like we need to reply or we need to be available, choosing to give the phone priority over what we are currently doing. So the article goes on, and they also have some interesting research and numbers that they've kind of gone through and laid out here. But it's a really interesting thing to, to keep uh, keep in mind, especially if you're someone who has your smartphone with you at all times. Uh, I know something, a common practice I do is to completely silence or actually move my smartphone to the other side of the room so it's completely out of the way or to dis disable a number of notifications altogether. But from a productivity standpoint, one of the things that really stood out and something to, to, keep, uh, to keep in mind when it comes to getting more things done throughout the day is the fact that, and they, they, they source a study here which, goes, which breaks this down and goes into more detail, but the fact that it takes an average of 23 minutes and 15 seconds to refocus after you're interrupted by something. So interruptions for most of us happen throughout the day. Uh, but the more that you can minimize those, the more things you will get done. So if you're having to, every 10 minutes, uh, refocus, and it takes you 23 minutes and 15 seconds to do that refocusing, you can understand why a lot of people don't get very much done throughout the day. So again, part of it depends upon... Uh, you know, depends on your environment, uh, your job, the work that you do. But very interesting study, worthy of taking into account. Getting more things done is is important to building any brand, and building any website, and uh, you know, any business uh, on many different levels. So, very very interesting study. Again, I'm going to leave links to all these in the show notes as always, and you can find that at rightlydesignedshow.com/slash thirty where you can find all of the information, all the articles that I've touched on here today. So today's main topic that I wanted to touch on is the concept of learning graphic design and web development. Now, this isn't necessarily something, uh, you don't necessarily have to be a pro. So if you're currently running a business or you're building a brand or trying to launch a platform, don't think that this is something uh, you know that you have to necessarily dive into and try to become a pro or a jack of all trades. A lot of what I'm going to share is also going to, you know, some of the tools I'm going to share is going to be, you know, basic tips and, you know, resources and tools that you'll be able to use to apply to your everyday business. At the same time, what I will also do is I'll share some tools and resources and some concepts that can be applied if you want to go pro. So whether that's freelance or whether you look for, you're looking for a graphic design position, something full time. But before I do that, I wanted to take a quick moment to mention today's sponsor, and that is FreshBooks. You may have heard me mention FreshBooks before. Uh, FreshBooks is by far uh, the best, the absolute best resource I have found for managing finances, especially if you're doing it for a business or you're self-employed, freelancing. Whatever your situation, FreshBooks is the way to go. FreshBooks makes it super easy to create invoices on the fly, to track your expenses, to do, they do all sorts of different types of reporting. You can even uh, give your accountant or your bookkeeper access to help them uh, do their job that much more quicker and more efficiently. FreshBooks is also in the midst of doing a whole redesign of their interface. It already was great before, but now it's, they've taken it even to a whole new level. They make it super easy to track time. They've got apps for your iPhone, for your iOS devices, for your Android, or if you just want to use it on the web. So FreshBooks today is offering listeners of the Rightly Designed Show a free 30-day trial. So no risk. You can jump in there, try it out, see if it's for you. I think you'll really like it. If you'd like to take advantage of this 30-day free trial, just hop on over to gofreshbooks.com slash rightly designed. Again, that's gofreshbooks.com slash rightly designed and enter rightly designed in the how did you hear about us section. 
Have a question about design, branding, marketing, or WordPress? Take a quick moment to visit rightlydesign.com slash question and record your question for the show. If it's featured in an episode, we'll send you a free Rightly Designed idea book as our thanks. Get all the information at rightlydesigned.com slash question. Okay, so today's main topic is on learning graphic design and web development. Whether that means you're going to start from scratch and just to pick up a couple of tips and tricks or whether you want to become a pro. So today's question actually comes from a listener. So this is an answer to a written question that was submitted by Gabriel. And it says, I've been preparing to start off on a side career in graphic design, emphasis on book covers, logo design, and hopes to start learning web design with WordPress for the last year. I have some fine arts training and some graphic design training from college, although I dropped out in my junior year. I've been inspired by others who have gone the self-taught route, and that's why I've been reading books, web pages, tutorials to start on the the side of my full-time job with the hopes of being able to go full freelance in the future. It seems silly to me to get a BA in graphic design when I can save the money and learn on my own. My issue now is that I have seen reports that show positions such as UI, UX designer, email marketer designer, etc. required uh, require degrees uh, with uh, degrees required show salaries at least of $70,000. My question is, would it be better to commit to going back to school for a BA degree program in these specific fields that seem to pay, pay pretty well? Uh, with all the costs and a two to four year time commitment of a college degree or these skills one could learn on their own. Maybe it depends on if a person is wanting to work for a company and then go freelance if someone wants to just go freelance. Um, And that was again from Gabriel. So thanks so much, Gabriel, for taking the time to write in that question. And as always, we'll be sending you a free rightly designed idea book as our thanks for taking the time to send in a question. Um, yeah, so there's a lot kind of to unpack here, obviously, which is why I led into learning graphic design and web development. Um, but there's kind of two different scenarios here, and you kind of hit the nail on the head with your last question, which was maybe it depends, you know, on whether you're going to go freelance or whether you're going to work for a company. So to tackle that first, yes, it's true. Uh, if you're wanting to work for a company, a lot of companies, not all of them, but a lot of larger companies require that you do have some sort of degree. So whether that's a BA or a BFA, uh, in the whatever type of field, whether you're talking web development or whether you're talking design or a combination of the two, a lot of times if you're looking for that salary and you're looking to get a full-time job, that's that's generally going to be pretty helpful towards that goal. Again, it's not necessarily a requirement. Uh, there are some out there that don't require that. But if you're wanting to make it, if you know that's what you want to do, then it may not be the worst idea in the world. Of course, that's just something you'd have to weigh on your end uh, in terms of what's going to work best for your unique situation. On the freelance end of things, on the other hand, or someone who wants to work for themselves in the graphic design or web development field, it's a little bit different. Uh, and you're correct that going out and getting you know, a two- or four-year degree may be a little bit overkill if you're just looking to, to do a little bit of graphic design or web development on the side. And you know something I like to mention, and this doesn't necessarily apply just to people who want to design or develop freelance. It applies to writers, you know, copywriters, anybody who wants to do any, anything freelance. Something that's important to keep in mind is that 
far and removed from a job in that field. You know, like if you mentioned you became a UI UX designer or developer or, you know, an email designer or something for a major company, that means you go to that company that goes, you go to that job and you just handle that portion of the job. Freelancing is a whole nother animal. It is, in essence, running your own business. So if you're going to freelance, you have to do, you have to take care of the books, you have to do your own marketing, you have to find your own clients, you have to maintain, and you have to work up, you know, work a solid relationship with those clients. You have to, you know, at the same time be finding new clients while maintaining the ones that you currently have. So there is a huge realm and a huge world that kind of surrounds the freelancing concept. So it seems appealing at first to a lot of people until they feel like, realize that there's a lot more that goes into doing something successfully through freelancing as opposed to just going out and getting a job in that field. So there's some kind of pros and cons to both, but I'll just kind of mention that offhand, you know, something to keep in mind as you're considering between something that is a career with a business, you know, a, a big company, or whether you're wanting to try something freelance. So, but to kind of tackle the main question that's being asked here, and this is going to you know, this is relevant whether you're trying, you're wanting to start a career or if you're just wanting to learn a little bit of design and development on the side or just kind of get some of the basics down. This will apply equally to either scenario. So again, don't think that you have to be wanting to start a career in graphic design or web development for these things to come in handy. You could just be running a business, growing a blog, any number of other situations and scenarios that this could come in handy. So the first place I usually recommend people start if you're pretty new to the concepts of design is to start again with the basics, to start with the principles, and to start with the rules. I can't tell you how many times I've seen, you know, designers out there who who are even freelancers or even working for companies or looking to get started um, who have not learned the basic principles of design. These are so important. The best way, the, the best analogy I could give is it's like learning, it's like going out and driving a car around without first understanding the rules of the road and then being surprised that you run a red light and get a ticket. So, you know, it's similar to that. In design, there are certain rules, there are certain principles that have been longstanding and help dictate what makes good, you know, what makes design quality, what makes design uh, appealing and you know these these rules have kind of been you know built upon but very solid and a solid foundational part of what it means to do design and so a a book I typically recommend and I, I have the third third edition myself and I had bought it of course years ago and anytime I get asked about you know graphic design I always say start with this book it's called the non-designers design book and it's really short and again even if you're not looking to start necessarily like a career in graphic design, I still recommend this one, even if you just want to kind of brush up on some of your basics. So it's a great book. They've got, they really do jump into a lot of the basics. Uh, they dive into proximity, alignment, repetition, uh, contrast, using color. You know, I, I took a class, you know, in college called color theory, which was kind of similar to this. Um, there's, you know, typography, categories of type, type contrasts. Um, typefaces in general. So there's a, there's a, they kind of do the whole broad spectrum uh, in this book, but they do it in a really uh, concise manner. They've got examples of, you know, good design versus bad design. So again, if you're wanting to pick up on some of the basics, that's a great place to start. Kind of as a side note, and, uh, you know, feel free to, to tweet me 
at Thomas E. McGee if this is something that you think would be useful for you. But I actually may, in future episodes, dive into some of these specific design principles in kind of their basic form. So, you know, you know, stay tuned for future episodes. That may be something that I do in the future, but just kind of let me know if you think that's something that you'd find useful. And as always, you can also submit a question just like Gabriel did uh, at rightlydesigned.com slash question. You can do that in an audio form or you can do that in a written form. Either one works just fine, whatever you're more comfortable with. Um, but anyways, if you wanted to dive into those uh, concepts and principles right away, that's a great book and a uh, great book to do it. That's just called The Non-Designer's Design Book. And again, I'll put a link to this in the show notes. So that's a great way to learn the basics of design. Uh, if you're wanting to start with the basics of web development, I tend to, or just development in general, I tend to uh, suggest another resource, and that's a place called Treehouse. Now, Treehouse is an online learning community or center. It's it's been in you know it's been uh, open for several years now. Uh, this is actually one of the primary tools I've used to really hone in my WordPress skills. So the fundamentals of developing WordPress websites from the, from scratch, as well as uh, developing WordPress plugins. A lot of the core uh, inner workings of WordPress I've learned through Treehouse. So some of the things that Treehouse can teach you, you know, they do uh, Android development. They've got business courses, and again, this these are all video courses and they've got quizzes and examples and lessons and things that you can go through to practice with but um, so it makes the learning process really efficient and uh, really helps helps you kind of apply these so they got practical applications worked throughout some of the things you can learn are android development you can learn best business practices you can use uh, learn c and c sharp which is for developing a number of different applications you can learn css databases they do have some design classes in here uh, development tools. You can also learn digital literacy, game development, uh, HTML, iOS, Java, JavaScript, PHP, Python, Ruby, and WordPress are the different sections that they have in here currently. But they're really well made. I've I've looked through a lot of different learning centers, and by far Treehouse is the best one I've found yet. So if you'd like to support the Rightly Design Show, I am actually an affiliate with Treehouse. So if you'd like to support us, that'd be great. You can do that just by signing up uh, right at rightlydesigned.com slash treehouse, or you can just go to their website. They do offer a 14-day free trial, I believe, so you can go in there and just kind of try it out, test out some of the videos. But if you're really wanting to dive in-depth with any sort of development, they're a great place to start. They've got so many different courses and specific topics that they dive through. Or even if you're just wanting to learn some of the basics, again, of design, or as I mentioned, they have some business classes in here. They're a great resource to use as well. And just kind of a side note, this is something that I really wish a lot of other you know online courses and services do. But Treehouse has this really unique feature. Well, they let you actually put your, your membership on hold. There's periods of time where I don't necessarily use or need Treehouse. I'm just kind of not in a learning mode at that point in time. So there's been several points where they actually allow me to click a button and just pause my membership. So you just stop getting charged on a monthly basis until you're ready to start learning again. Again, that's a great feature. I really wish a lot of other online learning or a lot of online, you know, reoccurring uh, monthly services allowed you to do that. So that's something that that Treehouse does let you to do. So really smart move there. 
Um, so that's a great source if you're wanting specifically for development. Design works great as well. But if there's just like a specific topic that you want to learn a lot about in a short amount of time, this is a great place to do it. So what I I, listened, I listed out here today is their main topics. But if you wanted to learn, you know, how do I implement? I may not necessarily want to, you know, hire someone. So I, you know, how do I implement good SEO for a WordPress website? So they have a course specifically for SEO for WordPress. So they show you and they go through, it's 118 minutes long. So you can dive into that one topic of how to make your site more search engine friendly for WordPress. They also have a workshop, you know, for MailChimp signup forms. So again, it's worth just jumping in there and seeing if there's a specific course that might help you further your knowledge in, a, in one, you know, specific instance. And that's a great, great resource for that. So highly recommend you check out Treehouse uh, for that. And the next thing I would mention, again, these are just kind of a couple of, of tools that you can, you can try out. One thing that's really important when it comes to learning design and development, but more specifically design, is staying up to date with the latest trends and best practices. So I've seen a lot of people who get the basics down, they get the principles down of design. I understand, you know, I've got color theory, I've got typography, you know, alignment, balance, contrast. I've got a lot of these things down. But then you look through some of the designs that they're creating and they're just not that great. And what do I mean by not that great? They're just not that well executed. They do not, they're not creative, they're not unique, they don't push the envelope, they're, maybe they're not implemented that well. Uh, so a great way to help improve that is to begin studying and looking at what other designers are doing well. So I recorded an episode uh, a while back. It's actually episode 10 where I dove direct. I dove into a website called dribble. And if you hadn't listened to the episode before, I recommend you, you go back and check it out. If this is something you might be interested in, but dribble is an online community for designers. So it's by invite only. So you have to be invited by another designer to be able to post on there. And in essence, it's just designers sharing what they're working on. And so anytime you go to the front page of Dribble, you'll be able to see some really creative works that people are creating. There's brands like Dropbox, Evernote, uh, all sorts of big well-known brands are on are on Dribble posting the latest things that they're working on. So you get to see, you know, landing page designs, you get to see product development, you get to see websites, you get to see logos, book covers, all sorts of different things. Uh, and, and kind of what the latest trends are as well. As a designer, it's not necessarily useful to, to check out trends so much to follow them, but as to be aware that they're happening. That's a big part. If, if design is something that's going to become more a part of your workflow or something for which you just want to be more aware, uh, being aware of trends in the industry is really important. Again, like what I like to say, you know, I, I'm one of those designers who tends to, you know, uh, kind of zig while others are zagging, so to speak, meaning I, uh, whenever I'm crafting something, you know, a design or development project, my goal is always to make it fit the target market the best possible, as opposed to leaning towards what's currently trending in the design uh, in the design realm. So there's a lot of different things to check out uh, with Dribble. So that's a that's a great resource. One of the things I will take a moment to mention as well, and I think this will come up, this will be a pretty a common question in terms of, you know, what about software? 
So I'm not going to dive into that too much right now. I think I may actually dedicate a future episode to this just because it is such a big topic and there are so many different options out there. If you're wanting to get serious with design and development, you're probably going to want to actually take some time to invest in software. If this is something that you're going to want to do a little bit more on the side, you want to create a quick banner here, you want to create a quick blog image here, it may be a good idea. You can just use Canva or there's a lot of different free online resources that have gotten really, really powerful. I think uh, Pixlr is one that you can use and it, it operates a lot like Adobe Photoshop to the point where you can, you know, add images, you can even do some basic layering, you can add type and do a lot of those different things. So that's a great place to start. If you're wanting to get a little bit more serious, a lot of people like Sketch, which is actually a Mac app and a lot of people use it to wireframe and to create their, their grid layouts and things for websites. What I recommend, and this is what I've done for the past 10 years plus, is buy the Adobe Suite. Uh, they really are the gold standard if that's something that you're looking to do. And nowadays, it's part of Adobe's Creative Cloud. So Adobe's Creative Cloud, if you decide to sign up for their service, it includes everything. So it includes all their video editing software. It includes Adobe Photoshop, which is what you'll need to do. Uh, you know, basic, you know, photo editing or, you know, more raster based. And uh, I talked about this in an SVG episode a little while back, but more raster based artwork. So if you're going to be doing like mockups for websites or something like that, you'd want to use Photoshop. Uh, and then InDesign and Illustrator. So I know I'm kind of diving into a lot of different, um, a lot of different software, but I'll just kind of I'll just kind of recap them here briefly, just to give you a quick idea. But InDesign is more for page layout, so if you're going to be laying out a book or a magazine or a newsletter or something like that, it would be uh, a lot of people things a lot of people would use Word for Microsoft Word or Microsoft Publisher, uh, kind of a higher level, a professional piece of software would be InDesign. That'd be kind of the equivalent, and then Illustrator is for vector-based software. So if you're going to be creating logos, if you're going to be creating SVGs, if you're going to be creating a lot of things that are very vector-based, then you're going to want to use Illustrator for something like that. So those, you know, because I get asked, you know, I've been asked in the past before, I'm looking to get started with graphic design. That's the software you're going to want to start with. It's going to be the Adobe Creative Suite. They really, as I mentioned before, they really are the gold standard. And uh, if that, that's, again, if that's something you're going to want to do on a more regular basis, that's the best place to start. Uh, so software aside, and again, I can, I can go in more detail of, of different software that you can use. And uh, obviously learning Photoshop, Illustrator, and InDesign can kind of be a bear in and of itself. There's a lot of tutorials out there. We'll get into that probably in a future episode. But those are, that is really the software uh, to start with for design specifically. Uh, if development is something you're interested in, uh, I personally, every developer is different. There's tons of different software out there that you can use. I personally use a, uh, a Mac app called Coda, and then I use MAMP for, you know, local development, and I'm kind of getting out in the weeds a little bit here, but MAMP, and then I use something called CodeKit for compiling, you know, different uh, coding frameworks. So, you know, anywhere from, you know, jQuery and JavaScript to, uh, doing SAS. But again, that's a lot of technical stuff, so we'll jump into some of that maybe in a future episode. I just wanted to give a quick rundown in case you're wondering about some specific software to research. That'd be a great place to start. Okay, and another resource I like to mention uh, is one called A Book Apart. 
Now, this is a great place to, this is another place you can start, or this is another place that you can add on to as you're trying to learn through another, uh, learn, uh, you know, about a specific topic. A book apart is essentially a library. It's a, it's kind of a publisher, a ton of different topics related to design and web development that you can, you can just buy these specific books. They've got a ton of different books on different topics, so responsive web design, uh, deve- uh, design fundamentals, front-end fun- fundamentals, design for any device. Uh, they've even got a business book in here, so if you're trying to build your own business. Pricing design, so if you're trying to nail down some of the pricing. Uh, going responsive with your website, dealing with clients, SaaS for web developers, content strategy for mobile, web typography, elements of content strategy. Uh, there's one that uh, Chris Coyer, who was on a past episode, that's actually episode 13, has a book by A Book Apart, which is a great one you want to check out as well. That's all about SVGs. So again, A Book Apart is a great place to start. I've read quite a few of these different books. And the great thing about A Book Apart is that all these different books are really short. I mean, I don't think any of them go beyond like 100 pages. And if they do, it's not by much. So they're really brief to, to the point. And they, they just kind of distill these topics down to a quick, easy to consume format. So definitely worth checking out, uh, even just browsing some of the different things, even if it's not uh, necessarily design that you're interested in. I had read one of the books uh, I did mention there briefly, which is The Elements of Content Strategy. And that's going to be important for just about any type of website, whether you're running a blog or whether you're running just a regular old website. Just about everybody needs a content strategy, and they do a great job breaking it down in that book. So a lot of different resources there. One of the last resource, a couple of resources I'll mention are just a couple of websites that I personally keep up with and I find to be consistently useful in the realm of design and development. And that Smashing Magazine would be one and CSS Tricks another. So Smashing Magazine is a little bit more on the advanced side. Uh, But you can just search their library. They've got thousands and thousands of articles that have spanned throughout the years. I've actually had a couple of articles published on there myself. Um, But they're really advanced and they're really in-depth. So again, you can just search for a specific topic and they're just a great resource. All of their, their articles go into great length, great detail. And they also provide a lot of useful tools and resources right there within the article for, you know, for the reading or a number of different things. And so that has come in really handy for me, not only for learn, you know, going back and learning things that have been out for a while, but they also are on the cutting edge of new web technologies, things like Flexbox and, you know, the, the latest CSS and HTML5 technologies that are coming out. So if development is more your thing, uh, they're, they're, they do a wonderful job of staying on top of that. They also have a number of conferences that they do throughout the year. So that's a great website to stay up to date with. CSS Tricks, I've mentioned in the past. Uh, again, that's actually a site that's run by Chris Coyer. As I mentioned, he was actually on this show uh, on episode 13. And you definitely want to check that out if you haven't had a chance to listen to it. Uh, but that's a great place to start as well if you're wanting to anything web development uh, they've got going on over there. Um, he mentioned actually in the episode that he was on the show that uh, it's called CSS Tricks, but it's a lot more than CSS. So they do uh, they do JavaScript, they do WordPress, they do HTML, so all sorts of different development uh, tools and resources they get into. So to kind of recap a little bit, one thing I'll kind of jump back to 
when it comes to learning design and development, a lot more, you know, if you're someone who's trying to run a business or again, you're just building a brand or a blog, a lot of these things can come in really handy for uh, just the basics. So even if you're going to be hiring a designer, you're going to be hiring a developer, it does pay and it does help to know at least some of the basics on some of these things. So I actually recommend to quite a few different people, if you're going to be running a website of any kind, you know, just take a little bit of time. And again, you can keep listening to the Rightly Design Show. So that's a great way to learn as well, because I'll be covering some of the basics. But even to take a little bit of time and go through some of the fundamental design principles, because even just be, being aware of them can help you dictate and determine your design decisions, even if somebody else is doing the design for you. Uh, it's it, being a little bit knowledgeable in that field can be endlessly helpful, especially if building a brand is a big part of what you're planning on doing with your website or with your platform or with your business. So I do hope you found this useful. Again, all the different tools and resources that I've mentioned in this episode will be available at rightlydesignshow.com slash 30. I know I've covered quite a bit in a short amount of time, but I do recommend you go back and check those out. I think it'll really be worth your time. They're very useful. You know, I mentioned Treehouse and, you know, I've mentioned A Book Apart. A number of these different places have been instrumental and, and quite important for me furthering my own design and development experience. And I think even if you're just interested in some of the basics, a lot of these things will prove to be endlessly useful. So we'd like to thank, uh, thank Gabriel again for taking the time to ask a question. If you'd like to ask your own question, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, feel free to visit rightlydesigned.com slash question and you're able to, you can write one in if you'd like, or I've got a spot in there where you can actually record your own question and I'd be happy to break that down and to answer it in a full length episode. Also, if you wouldn't mind taking a quick moment to hop on iTunes and leave us a review, that would be endlessly helpful. It just helps us get the word out a little bit more about the Rightly Design Show so we can reach more people and we can continue to grow the show. So I do appreciate you taking the time to listen to the program today, and we'll see you next week. Enjoying the Rightly Design Show? please consider taking a quick moment to leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or the channel of your choice. Visit rightlydesign.com show for links to these channels and more.